the fire code and the building code and the permitting process are there for a reason. Don't get caught because you don't want to have this tragedy in your life. It's that time of year when a lot of children are being extra nice and extra helpful, hoping that Santa brings them their favorite gift. It's likely that's what the Avila sisters were doing on December 14th, 2007. However, a faulty space heater would prevent the girls and their family from enjoying the holidays for years to come. Nine-year-old Jasmine, seven-year-old Jocelyn, and six-year-old Stephanie would die as a result of a house fire that could have been prevented. My guest today is Pat Wills, and he was a fire investigator on that case, and he's here to talk about the importance of getting building permits and meeting building codes when you are updating that garage or adding an extra unit to your home. We'll hear from him next on this week's The Word. Welcome back to The Word. Once again, I'm Jackie Ray. I am very excited to have Pat Wills on the show with me today. Hello, He's Jackie. a former firefighter. He's going to be sharing a very important topic with us that I think sometimes we really overlook, but it's dropping down to the 60s. I'm from Colorado, so that's not very cold, but it's still kind of cold for us here in Long Beach. And then in the evenings, it's dropping down to 40 degrees, which means we're all probably kicking on our heat. Uh, unfortunately, that also means sometimes people are using space heaters, especially depending on your heating system. But safety is going to be very important with that. So I just want to read some statistics to you. Now, according to the National Fire Protection Association, 81% of all house fires are caused by heating equipment and space heaters account for around 1700 fires per year nationwide that's a lot of fires caused by space heaters and sadly on the time that we're recording this which is december 14th sadly 15 years ago today long beach had a fire that claimed the lives of young people and so it's a tragedy anytime you have to revisit these kinds of things it's a tragedy when loss of life occurs but Still, even though it's 15 years ago, there's lessons to be learned. So I'm very glad that Pat Wills is here because Pat Wills had to respond to that fire. He had to deal with the emotions and mental trauma that came with that fire. And he's going to share some lessons with us about that fire. But before we get into that, we, I just want to learn a little bit more about who you are um, and how you became a firefighter. Is it, That's one of those things that I think kids say from day one, like in kindergarten, what do you want to be when you grow up and it's firefighter? Was that how it was for you? Actually, it wasn't. Okay. <laughs> it wasn't. I, uh, I grew up here in Southern California. And when I was a little kid, probably eight or nine, I want my uncle actually worked on at Universal Studios on the set of Adam 12, which is a very famous police show in the late 60s mm. about the LAPD. And because he worked there, myself and my brothers and my cousins used to go to the set during the summer and we would get to hang out with the two officers, Reed and Malloy. Well, my goal as a young kid was to become a police officer with the LAPD. Mm. And then by chance, my, uh, my Uncle Bill was transferred to a new show called Emergency. Oh, okay. Now, emergency was about the Los Angeles County Fire Department and the birth of the paramedic program. Hmm. Uh, that was around 1970. Uh, I might be a little off on my time, but um, once I discovered the fire department and the coolness of being a paramedic, <laughs> I had to call my cousins and I said, guys, I'm changing careers. And I went on to... Uh, 
become a fire explorer in the city of Huntington Beach mm-hmm. all throughout high school. And then at the age of 19, I was hired on at the Orange County Fire Department. 1977, I was hired on with the city of Glendale up in Los Angeles County. Mm-hmm. And then I made my way back to Long Beach in 1981, where I spent the next 34 years here as a firefighter, a paramedic. I was promoted to captain in 1990. And then in 1998, the law enforcement bug kind of came back to me, and I transitioned over as the supervisor of the fire department arson unit. Okay. And for those that don't know, in Long Beach, the fire department uh, has a very uh, well-staffed arson unit who investigates fires. They investigate some explosions also, but they all they handle all criminal aspects of uh, people that set fires. So we made arrests. We carried firearms. Uh, we were very closely aligned with Long Beach PD. So our, our other duty was always to investigate any of the uh, fatal fires that occurred in the city. And as you said earlier today, uh, was the fifth, today is the 15th anniversary of a very tragic fire near the corner of 10th and Martin Luther King, where three young girls, the, uh, the Avila sisters, Jasmine, Stephanie, and Jocelyn, uh, actually were were killed in, a, in, a, in an accidental fire that was very preventable. Uh, they were uh, sleeping inside of a garage that had been illegally converted without the benefits of fire codes, building codes, inspections, or permitting. And unfortunately, the night before they came over, they knew it was going to be cold at their aunt's house, so they brought this little space heater that would end up causing the fire that would unfortunately claim their lives. That is just so devastating when you hear. And, and it's an interesting, when I first um, went back and I read all the news about this fire, uh, my first thing was, okay, how hard is it to, you know, get some of these permits and things of that nature? And obviously I'm not going to assume what happened back then, but one of the things Jason, our uh, political reporter here, he just converted uh, a part of his house and, did an addition to his house and then it immediately shot up everything his taxes and things of that nature. So the first thing that popped in my head is, okay, number one, is this something that's easy for people to get as far as permits? Number two, can they afford the increase in their mortgage? And does that, does that make it more difficult for people who maybe are just barely getting by to, as their family grows to accommodate that? And is there any way, and this is just an idea brainstorming thing. Is there any way that we can, make the process a little easier for people to be able to stay where they live, but expand their homes without it being so expensive and permits and things of that nature being difficult to get? That's a big question. And, and one of the things that I think some of that's political too, mm-hmm. but the most important factor in any type, when anybody is going to offer shelter for any person, the location where they're going to reside has to be fire safe. Right. Um, There is a new thing in the state of California called the ADUs, Mm -hmm. um, which allows people to convert their garages and stuff into living spaces. It does not skirt the code issue, though, as I know it. Mm -hmm. Um, To the credit of the state and the communities, they want more housing for the people that are here. But that cannot be at an expense where the life safety factors have been diminished. The, the, the building code and the fire code are created and adopted by the city 
for a reason, and that is all based on life safety. Mm-hmm. Now, in this case, with the Avila sisters, they didn't live there. Right, they're, they were they're, visiting, right? Yeah, they're, mm-hmm. they were visiting their aunt. Their mother had something to do in the morning. Their aunt was a very responsible young lady named Nancy, very nice girl. Um, she was 17 at the time. Her mother and her sister, uh, her sister Blanca, who actually is part of the story, um, they were actually out that night. They had left and gone. Blanca had gone with her, uh, gone to see a friend, and her mother had gone to work. So it was Nancy and the girls. There was no issue of any responsibility other than she was going to take care of the girls for the night. They were just going to sleep over. And when they came over, they had the little heater. Obviously, they knew that it was cold at their house. And they plugged it in. Nancy put the girls to bed. She didn't have a bed because it was a little... It was a, They actually did convert part of the garage into a bedroom, but uh, her sister Blanca and her mom slept in the bedroom. And then uh, Nancy actually slept on the couch. She didn't mm. have a bed. And it was in this location where uh, this this heater was plugged in and it ended up catching on fire about uh, two o'clock in the morning, which unfortunately she was not awake in in time. So there was a little time delay because when she woke up, she said that she immediately woke up and she saw the fire about three or four feet high oh, wow. off, coming off of the... Uh, of the heater. I think in the investigation, we surmised that, or we determined that there were some towels that were right near there. Uh. And the fire was moving toward the couch. So she had no early warning. In, in, in uh, The early warning with smoke detectors is that they're designed to activate when the first sign of smoke or some type of obstruction occurs on the smoke detector. Mm-hmm. I have been in training fires where we have literally set a training fire with a smoke detector above it, and the smoke detector actually activated at the time we were lighting the fire. That's how sensitive oh, some wow. of these are. Mm-hmm. Um, and people know this from cooking in their house, that these things <laughs> can be very sensitive. Mm-hmm. So she had no early warning, so we we then determined that, okay, as this fire starts to grow, mm-hmm. she's asleep. It also starts to give off what are called byproducts of combustion, some deadly chemicals called carbon monoxide mm-hmm. and hydrogen cyanide. Yeah, I think we we all, when we think of fires and stuff, we all know about the carbon monoxide, but the, the hydrogen cyanide, what, what causes that? Well, hydrogen cyanide will, uh, it, it occurs when um, plastics and things burn. Oh, okay. Yeah, like carpeting has mm-hmm. plastics in it. So it's... Uh, that's that's how the, and it affects the human body differently. Mm. Um, they all affect the breathing and the oxygen absorption. What happens with carbon monoxide when you br- breathe in is it it does not allow the oxygen in your body to be utilized. So therefore, the brain immediately starts to uh, starve itself, and people are just unaware. Uh, in this case, the girls were asleep, and they just never woke up. Mm. I always say they woke up in heaven. So the initial call was for Station 10 on Peterson, Station mm-hmm. 2 on 3rd Street, and part of Station 1, which is right downtown next to the police department, right. with, uh, I believe the battalion chief upgraded the assignment to add at least two additional paramedic units. Mm-hmm. And of course, when Engine 10 was the first engine on scene, 
they uh, they elected to instead of connecting to a hydrant, just go right in, attack the fire. Very tragic. A lot of people screaming and yelling. The the nine one one tape is just heartbreaking. Mm. But those those firefighters got there and they did what they were supposed to do. Uh, they got inside and they they found the girls. All three of the girls were in full cardiac arrest. Mm. And, you know, they, to the credit of the fire department, they, they found them and they did everything they absolutely could. They got two of the girls to St. Mary's. One of the girls went to uh, Long Beach Memorial Hospital. And then obviously at that point, it was the doctors and nurses who would take over and do their very best also. So how, you know, being so close to this case, how do you process that? Obviously, I think maybe you're in the moment, so you're doing the work. But is there an, an emotional aspect to you doing the work? How does it affect you personally? Well, in this particular case, at this time in my career, I had probably been on the fire department for almost 35 years. So you've seen I'd, a lot. I'd seen a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but the, the first thing that I do recall, knowing that this call was different, one is that we had two kids that were dead, one on life support. But when I went to the scene, uh, the scene itself, which was the firefighters were still there maintaining the uh, integrity of the, of the, of the security of the, of the fire scene. Long Beach police were there in mass. The one thing that I saw and I clearly remember was this, just this dead silence mm. and just this sadness you could just see it in their faces. It was not a successful rescue. And I'm here to tell you, Long Beach firefighters, they're going to, they would have laid down their lives for these girls. Mm -hmm. uh, so it just, it, it, it went way into the community farther mm -hmm. than you would ever think because number one, there's children that have passed away. Number two, there's this new potential problem that all the other parts of the population may suffer as a result of unsafe housing. Mm -hmm. um, but back to the emotional part of it, as an investigator, there were, the children were not there. So I had, I had basically a pretty pristine scene. I mean, it's all, mm. it's obviously burned, but the scene itself was a fire scene and me and my team were going to figure out what happened. So, I took out a deck of cards, which is the investigation deck, and the homicide investigators went this way, and one of my investigators did some interviews, and the rest of my team looked, and we started to try to figure out what caused this fire. And there quickly becomes something that kind of throws me, and it throws my team, and that we start to find some oxygen cylinders in this house. Hmm. And as far as I know, there's a, 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 a girl, 17-year-old girl and her sister. And now there's these oxygen cylinders, which as a former paramedic, I'm thinking we have some adult, probably an older adult that has some type of emphysema mm -hmm. and they're on home oxygen. Well, that did not turn out to be the case. Hmm. And that is where the backstory of this tragedy comes in. And that is with... Uh, so. During the morning, we ended up, my partner from Long Beach PD ended up going to up to the hospital to get the survivor and her mother back so we could talk to her. And 
it was at that time that um, I had asked her about the, you know, the adult that had the oxygen. And she said, well, she said, there's no, there's no adult that has the oxygen. That's for my sister, Blanca. And I said, well, why does she have oxygen? And she says, well, Blanca has had this terrible disease called cystic fibrosis since she was one years old. Mm. And she had been uh, sent home from Miller Children's Hospital after they had removed her from the lung transplant list. And she was going to come home. And that's where she would pass away 37 days later. So the two that passed away on on this on the scene were uh, Jasmine. Well, the they were all three taken to the hospitals. Oh, they were so all no in cardiac passed. arrest. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So Jasmine and Stephanie passed away the morning of the 14th. And then Jocelyn passed away the next morning. Uh, she was really just on life support. Mm-hmm. So uh, that all happened in that 24 hour period. Mm-hmm. And so then Blanca. Blanca would pass away 37 days later. Mm-hmm. May the firefighters remember her as being part of LBFD kids. And those pictures are in this book. So it was a tragedy that had another tragedy that was yet to happen. And that was something that was difficult for the firefighters. It was, it was difficult for me. My time in the investigation and my team was a lot longer than the firefighters because they wrapped up and they left Mm -hmm. after a certain amount of time, but we still had autopsies to attend because that's what we do. Um, we hadn't even talked to the mother yet or the mother named Daisy. And, uh, you know, so as we move forward in the investigation, we determined fairly quickly within a day that there was no, there was nothing nefarious that had happened in there. We, it was just simply an accident. And then the next thing was to try to identify this heater by brand Mm. and go out and make sure that the community, including anybody that would sell this, was able to uh, pull it off the shelves. Right. And we uh, tried very hard. We worked with some people from the the on the internet and some of these uh, companies that made these heaters, and we were never able to identify the heater or the brand. So that that word was never able to get out in mass Mm. uh, regarding a specific brand of heater, whether it be XYZ or whatever, where we could actually put out something from consumer protection to say, look, we've had an incident, pull these off your shelves, don't sell them anymore. Mm. That's discouraging to not be able to alert people. It was very difficult. Um, But to the credit of the fire department, the Long Beach Fire Department and the city of Long Beach, they took this incident extremely serious. I cannot say enough about the fire department, the police department, building and safety, code enforcement. And then I give credit to Pat West, who was the city manager at the time, and all of the city council people. In fact, Robert Garcia was brand new on the city mm-hmm. council. Um, and uh, they, uh, they, they took it very seriously. And the city went, they went after property owners. Ironically, in this incident, and I did not find this out for a couple months, but I think it was three years to the very day. So it was December 14th of 2000, or two years, and five, we had 
almost the exact same fire in West Long Beach mm. at almost the exact same time. But the difference was is that our firefighters from Station 13 and 7s got in to this illegal garage and rescued every occupant. Some of them were in full cardiac arrest. Oh, wow. They rescued everybody. Mm -hmm. And then ironically, you fast forward two years to the very day mm. and we have this tragedy. And, you know, those things happen, but there were so many unique things in this case that just kind of reflected on history in the, in the city. But going back to the city and the city of Long Beach and what they did, they were very good about enforcement. They took it seriously. They created different fines for uh, property owners. And they also were able to give the property owner an incident to say, we have three kids that died in a fire. Mm. That's why you're getting this fine. We don't want you to repeat that. I think that's so good because I we we're just wrapping up. Well, actually, it's probably going to be ongoing for quite some time. But we're doing this homeless series, um, and just my reporting on the homeless series. It has been enlightening to know that yes, we have an unhoused population, but we also have a a barely housed population that is just literally barely making ends meet. Uh, several people living in the same house for financial reasons. So for me, this. And I think for those people as well, this story is probably going to be great because for me, my heart breaks for them. These people can barely survive. They're, some of their kids are only, they're eating lunch at school and that may or may not be their only meal of the day. So, and unfortunately, when your family expands, you need more room. So I think these are the type of people that might be more, um, I don't, because I think everybody wants to cut corners, but I think for them, it's not a matter of cutting corners. It's about trying to survive. But at the same time, it's that word survive. And if you cut the wrong corners, something like this can happen. And I think that over 15 years, that message might've been lost. So I think it's very good that you really hone in while these, these getting these permits. And, and even if you get a fine, that's not to stick it to you. That's to keep you safe. It is to keep everybody safe. And I will say that although the, the incident is 15 years old. The city of Long Beach, in uh, to their credit, <laughs> I'll get emotional. No, yeah. uh, is actually on uh, December 14th of 2010. Okay. Actually, I spoke at the city council, and they all voted unanimously uh, to adopt to to create what is called the Long Beach Avila's Law. Mm -hmm. What the Long Beach Avila's Law is is they took all of the uh, the laws that had to do with the illegal garage conversions and they named them the Avilas laws mm. in memory of this incident in these girls. So that, and that, uh, there was a proclamation by Bob Foster and the city council that uh, hung, it used to hang in the old uh, code enforcement or, or planning and building right there mm -hmm. at the, uh, uh, when you walk in for your permits, yeah. and there it was right there, the incident, mm -hmm. and why that was so important. And they spelled it out. They read that into the record. And then the city took it a little farther. They went to Sacramento. And Sacramento, uh, in May of 2011 or 12, okay. it's in my book. I have mm -hmm. the dates. Uh, they, the entire... California legislature, it's called an assembly concurring resolution, voted that 
this incident would be profiled in Building and Safety Month, which is in May. And uh, it was quite sobering to hear their, the girls' names and the Long Beach Fire Department as I stood on the floor of the, of the assembly mm-hmm. and listened to uh, the boat, which was completely, it was unanimous that mm-hmm. we would, they would create the, it's called Assembly Concurring Resolution 32. Uh, for I think the year was it might be 2011. I'm be a little off on my dates, mm-hmm. but it's uh, so the the city of Long Beach has taken this issue very seriously, and there is an issue of safe housing, barely safe housing. We have people that live in tents. Those are those can be just as deadly. We mm-hmm. have when I was investigator, we had people that were died in fire in tents and fires. So um, even though they might say to the property owner, you have to follow the code. You have to follow the laws. Um, it's, it's for a reason. And this incident is probably the greatest example of what can go wrong. Uh, and it's very possible that the property owner just had no clue. Right. It's possible. Mm-hmm. Um, I absolutely know that the that the occupants had no clue, mm-hmm. as many occupants today have no clue that their home is completely unsafe and that they shouldn't even be there. Mm-hmm. I have had a, a friend who had an incident where a space heater caught fire, but it was a very small area. It was quick. It was contained. But then now it becomes a thing where, like, when I'm shopping for a space heater, it has to be something that if it falls over, it exactly. cuts off That's called a tip switch. So mm-hmm. you want to have the – and it should stay right on there mm-hmm. – uh, Automatic shut off. It'll only go up to a certain temperature. Mm-hmm. And this one clearly did not have any of those because mm-hmm. uh, it, you know, it it actually it, and it was actually long coils. I have a picture of it in the book. Long mm-hmm. coils, and she, our survivor, said that it was glowing red right before she went to sleep. And uh, I still know. see those long coil space heaters. Yeah, sold. yeah. So. So, if somebody were to, if somebody did have one of those, and they were going to use it, put it on bare tile because okay. there's no fuel to ignite on bare mm-hmm. tile. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it, if they can go and get another space heater that's got a cutoff switch, a tip switch, it'll only go up to a certain temperature. It won't yeah. even light paper on, which is what we don't want to have. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it should have. Uh, a circle called UL Rating Underwriters Laboratory, oh. which means it's been evaluated and approved. Oh, okay. Yeah, for consumers. Yeah. So this whole incident, as tragic as it was, it compelled you to write a book called When Children Die. How how long did, what was the moment where you said, okay, you know what, I need to put this in a book where other people outside of Long Beach even can read about this and learn about this incident? Well, um, as a firefighter and a law enforcement officer, uh, prior to this incident, I thought I'd seen it all. Mm. I did. I thought I'd seen it all. Um, with the death of the girls, the visual of the girls at the coroner's office, the stories of their lives, this absolute tragedy that hadn't even happened with this girl, Blanca, and mm-hmm. listening to her life story, it was just it was unfairness to the to the highest degree. You right. just could not get a family that suffered more. And to the credit of this family, they are a wonderful family. I've kept in contact with them since this incident. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
I truly believe in my heart that they they sensed that I was suffering and they took me in mm. long before I recognized that our friendship was as solid as it was. Right. But the book is for firefighters, law enforcement. Um, I actually give credit to uh, the doctors and the nurses, mm. the first responders, our dispatchers who take these calls and they get to they get to recreate the incident as they believe it's happening in their mind, but yet they're never even there. Right. And in many respects, they never get to know the outcome. So I had to give them credit in this book. I also gave credit to the news reporters mm -hmm. that stand behind the yellow line and they tell our stories with professionalism and the same emotions as we might have, maybe not because they haven't crossed into that actual mm -hmm. scene, but they get credit too, like yourself. Um, but the book is called The Reality of PTSD, Post-Traumatic Stress Disorder. Mm -hmm. I thought, like I say, I thought I'd seen it all. Um, after this tragedy, as it unfolded, I was, I was completely shocked at what I'd seen. Mm -hmm. I, was, I was not functioning. And I, at 15 years Later, I'm not afraid to say that I had PT have PTSD, mm -hmm. um, and this was the incident that brought it all out. And uh, the unfortunate thing was that I didn't say anything. I was embarrassed. Mm. I w I imagined that the girls were still alive. I imagined that Blanca would have survived. I imagined that none of this ever occurred mm. in my imagination to try to make it all better. And uh, so eventually I was uh, very fortunate to talk to the Long Beach police psychologist, Dr. Christine Cho, who I just happened to have had a phone call from one afternoon. I never intended on talking to her. Mm -hmm. I actually had to get a couple of uh, my investigators their background checks. So they had to get a psychological exam. Right. So she calls me. She tells me what she does. And then she asked me what I do. I do. So I told her and she goes, wow, I never even, never even knew we had arson investigators. Mm -hmm. And as she's telling me about what she does for the police officers, it's becoming very clear that she's somebody that could probably help. Mm. And Did you know at that moment you needed help? Oh yeah, I knew. Okay. I knew. Um, mm -hmm. it, it was very difficult. Mm -hmm. I, I was having, you know, when you, I think I wrote in the book, I thought about the girls every minute of every hour of every day. Wow. And they were there every, constantly. Mm -hmm. And at the end of this conversation, she happens to say, well, that's a, you have a very interesting job. Is any, do you have any interesting cases? And I remember my heart rate just skyrocketed. Mm. And I remember saying to myself, she's the one you got to say something to. And I blurted out this incident. And about an hour and a half later mm -hmm. of just blurting it out, she said, wow, congratulations. You have PTSD. That's and, exactly and, how she said it. And don't and don't be ashamed of that. Oh, that's nice. That and I, and I said, I said no. 
the men and women of the military have PTSD, not me. Mm -hmm. She says, we need to talk. So I made an appointment with her and we I had several sessions and she kind of set me on a different path of where I was, what the reality of life really is, how this tragedy, you know, affected me. Mm -hmm. And it also gave me the ability to actually talk to my wife and say, this is what's been going on. Mm -hmm. And she knew that something, she knew it was about this case. Um, and it was difficult on her too. And she's just been wonderful. Uh, but as in the case of other spouses, whether it be male, female, um, the children, um, they too are impacted by right. what happens in the street. And uh, today, Long Beach uh, Fire Department has a very good peer support team. So that's where we're at. So this is the book. Uh, it's on Amazon. In the end, 15 years later, a lot of good stuff has come about. All the proceeds from this book go to a program called LBFD Kids, which is for Miller Children's Friends of Long Beach Firefighters. So there's several charities that get to it, get uh, donations, and cystic fibrosis. Mm -hmm. So I like uh, doing stair climb events. Mm -hmm. So I always uh, have a picture of Blanca on my pinned to my shirt or whatever mm -hmm. to climb because she obviously had a lot of problems breathing and stuff. So, but, uh, yeah, so that's it. It's available on it on Amazon and, uh, it's, I've got some great reviews on it and I wanted you to have it Yay, and I will you. sign that for you. Yes, please. Thank you so much for, for coming and sharing this story. You're I think welcome. this is such a, such a multifaceted story from the tragedy that happened with the family to how it affected you to, now us understanding mental health now and how important it is to get help. It's just such a multifaceted. So do you have any advice for homeowners right now who are trying to cut corners on that, that addition they're adding to their home or that garage? Don't, don't cut corners. Yeah. The, the fire code and the building code and the permitting process are there for a reason. Don't get caught because you don't want to have this tragedy in your life. If you are watching this podcast and are interested in Pat Will's book, you can scan the QR code on your screen or you can go to Amazon.com and look for the book Reality of PTSD When Children Die. And remember, all proceeds from the sale of the book go to LBFD Kids and Cystic Fibrosis. And please remember when it comes to your safety and the safety of your family, don't cut corners. Be safe. Take care of each other. Once again, I'm Jackie Ray. And remember, if you have to speak a word, make it a good one.